Tonight, Jay Nitz sees dividends from Suicide Squad, Tag and Bink on the cutting room floor, and by judicial order, there can be only one con named Comic. On this edition of Multiverse, tonight! There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello and welcome to Multiverse Tonight and the big number seven. For a lot of podcasts, this is the do or die episode. Well, fortunately for us, Thanos made half the other podcast disappear, so let's march on. And just before I record this episode, I got news that I have one listener from someone in Australia. I don't know who you are, but please, please share me with your friends. I want more of you. I want more of you all around the world. So, have you watched uh, Disenchanted on Netflix yet? good it's a good show if you're looking for the simpsons or futurama uh this is not that this is more of a serialized story but it's very well done i look forward to the second half of the season when you find out uh, what's happened now over on our twitch channel i've been playing star trek online and although that's uh you know works well for me, I've decided to change it up a little bit. So I'm now also playing The Sims 4 as well. Now, if you want to join me, feel free. I'll be on late Sundays and Monday nights, usually starting around midnight, 11, 11 p.m., somewhere around there, playing for an hour or two. And uh, if you are a player on uh, Stowe, Star Trek Online, feel free to join me and join our fleet. Just search for Multiverse Tonight. Now, I've told you, of course, all about our affiliate links on Amazon and uh, wanting to keep that affiliate link, so, you know, give me, a, give me some love. Give me a sale to help me out. Just go to multiversetonight.com and click on the link uh, for our associate uh, link in our sidebar on the homepage. While you're there, we also have links for MyComicShop.com and RiffTracks.com, which is great because I love Rift Tracks. If you love Mystery Science Theater 3000, you're gonna love you love Rift Tracks too. So go there, click on the link, and show me some love. I plan on having more associate links very soon, so check back every once in a while and. Uh, if you'd like to co contribute directly, like my good friend Anne, hi Anne, go either to uh, my, co my code-fee or Patreon uh, donation page. I know it's supposed to be pronounced coffee, but for me it's code-fee. Uh, you can also find those links on the website, and thank you. Now let's get on with the news. Marvel News. A new rumor has surfaced from the site Geeks Worldwide that Deadpool 2 director David Leitch will be returning to direct Deadpool 3. 
The site notes that Leech has the Fast and Furious spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw, next, with filming on that from September to January. That would mean that Deadpool 3 wouldn't begin production till sometime next August, which would also be well after the Disney Fox deal will be done. And uh, speaking of the site Geeks Worldwide, they also have a report from Omega Underground that Marvel Studios is looking to begin filming a Phase 4 movie next June in the United Kingdom. The big three candidates so far are Black Widow, Doctor Strange 2, or The Eternals. Those three are movies that are known, yet have, yet to have dates of any kind attached to them. Uh, the vast knowledge of what will be in the Phase 4 of the MCU is completely unknown other than Spider-Man Far From Home which is set to come out on the next 4th of July weekend. Now, let's get to the news concerning the firing of James Gunn on Guardians 3. As you might have heard, Disney and Marvel will not, repeat, not be rehiring James Gunn, but will instead be looking for a new director. And one name has already come forward to say, take me off your list. Stephen Knight who served as executive producer for the first season of Daredevil, in addition to directing the lackluster Pacific Rim Uprising, was asked on Twitter if he'd be willing to step into the role if offered. He answered, quote, I would politely decline. No way in hell I could come close to what at James Gunn has accomplished, unquote. So, anyone else want the job? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Oh well. Jessica Jones, series creator, exec producer Melissa Rosenberg, will be leaving after the series' upcoming third season for a new deal with Warner Brothers Television, where she has signed a contract worth tens of millions of dollars, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Apparently, Netflix did try to retain her services, but the contract with Warner's was just too great. In a statement, Melissa said, quote, All of my attention remains with the extraordinary cast, writers, and production team of Marvel's Jessica Jones until the completion of Season 3. It continues to be a career highlight. Working with my partners at Marvel Television and Netflix, we're extraordinarily grateful to the viewers who have supported us every step of the way on Jessica's journey, which is so beautifully realized by Christian Ritter and the amazing cast including Rachel Taylor, Ika Darville, and Carrie Ann Moss. We have so many talented storytellers in every area of the show who I'm honored to call friends and collaborators. As I look ahead after this season, I'm thrilled I will be able to explore new projects with a talented team at Warner Brothers Television and push myself in a new challenging creative direction." Unquote. Here's hoping she gets put on, some, on something awesome for DC. Come on, DC, DC. Anyway, this is Marvel News. Uh, the cast of Deadpool 2 was asked by BuzzFeed, quote, If you could have anyone from any franchise join the X-Force, who would it be? Unquote. Suggestions put forward by the cast include Howard the Duck, The Blob, Celine Dion, and Captain Planet. Ryan Reynolds had the big winner, though, suggesting Hugh Jackman, but not as Wolverine. Just plain old Hugh Jackman. Maybe singing as his Les Mis character. Well, here's the hopin', Ryan. Here's the hopin'. 
Doctor Strange, master of the mystical arts and acerbic wit, will be back. Yeah, he dissolved into nothingness in Infinity War, but that's immaterial. Dissolved. Immaterial. Get it? Anyway. A rumor reported by The Mirror indicates that filming will begin in September 2019, giving it a probable fall release date in 2020. Allegedly, he'll get a pay raise of $6 million more than the first movie, netting the Master of the Sling Ring $9.5 million. I would love it if he had some interaction with Spider-Man, since they are in the same city. Let's move on. DC Comics News DC's Suicide Squad movie hit theaters two years ago. Man, that seems like ages ago. Apparently, it is paying some dividends on, on Twitter. Comic book writer Jay Nitz, whose version of El Diablo was featured in the film, posted, quote, Do you like El Diablo in at David Meyer's movie, Suicide Squad? Good because it just bought me a house. Hashtag Casa del Diablo, unquote. He posted that with a picture of him and his new house. Good job. Speaking of Suicide Squad, news around the sequel has been quiet. Todd Stashwish will pin the script with David Barkatz and Gavin O'Connor will direct. However, it looks like it will be getting delayed. A report from, again, Geek Worldwide, They've done a lot this week. Indicates that Smith will film Bad Boys 3 and the sequel to the Netflix film Bright next. This will push back filming on Suicide Squad 2 for quite some time. Warner Brothers seems to be shifting its current priorities to The Joker, Birds of Prey, The Flash, and The Batman movies. Shazam! Still nothing. It is now in post-production and will come out this April. And, you know, I wish saying Shazam, Shazam would actually work. I would so love to be Earth, my Earth's Mightiest Mortal, even if I am a big red cheese. In an interview with Bustle.com, Legends of Tomorrow stars Talia Ash, Maisie Richardson-Sellers, and Caddy Lutz. Arrow's Juliana Harkavy and The Flash's Candace Patton said they'd be up for an all-female crossover. Talia Ash said, quote, On our own show, all of us separately have a, said to the writers, let's have a girls episode. Not just for the sake of having a girls night, but realizing that it's kind of rare actually to be in a scene where it's just women. What's, what is the conversation between five superhero women when it's not about a man? That would be exciting to me. So yeah, let's freaking cross over it up, unquote. And it's not like they want to be just be get rid of the men for an episode. They just think it would be fun for the women to have a team-up by themselves. Now, while there's no indication of an all-women crossover, there will be more women kicking, it in, kicking butt in the Arrowverse this year, with the addition of Ruby Rose starring as Batman, Batwoman, joining this year's crossover. Damon Lindelhoff's Watchmen series has officially been greenlit at HBO. There's no official release date yet, but the show should debut in 2019. HBO's press release officially confirmed the show's extensive all-star cast list. The full list includes Regina King, Jeremy Irons, Don Johnson, Tim Blake Nelson, 
Louis Gossett Jr., Yahya Abdul Mateen II, Ad Adelaide Clemens, Tom Nissen, Francis Fisher, Jacob Ming Trent, Sarah Vickers, Dillian Shambing, Lily Rose Smith, and Adeline Spoon. The press release includes the logline for the series, quote, set in alternate history where superheroes are treated as outlaws, Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel while attempting to break new ground of its own, unquote. Mm, kind of vague. What do we know? What we do know is that it won't follow the same story or characters from the original story. So, are you ready for Watchmen sans the Watchmen? And uh, speaking of shows coming to series, Pennyworth has been ordered to series by Epics. The show that centers around Alfred Pennyworth's younger days will, co will consist of 10 episodes and will begin filming in London in November. The series will tell the story of Alfred Pennyworth in 1960s London after his time serving in the British SAS. Batman's father, Thomas Wayne, will also have a major role in the show as he is set to be a major ally for Alfred. All this needs is James Bond, Austin Powers, and the Avengers to team up. The Wilmington Star News reports that DC Comics' Swamp Thing series will begin filming in a North Carolina town in September. The series, which is set for 13 episodes first season, will be filmed at EUE Screen Gem Studios and will run on the DC Universe digital streaming service. Toymaker Hasbro and DC Comics has settled a trade dispute over the name Bumblebee. The Transformers maker sought to block sales of a Mattel doll based on the superhero who has the ability to shrink, arguing that caused confusion in the marketplace with her own Transformer, the yellow Autobot called Bumblebee. Yeah. Hmm. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed, but no one on either side had a comment to Variety.com. A Bumblebee spin-off movie is coming to theaters on December 21st. Now, just to set the record straight, the DC Comics character of Bumblebee predates the Transformer. She debuted in Teen Titans in 1977. The Transformer was introduced in 1983, but they obtained the trademark on the Bumblebee name in 2015. It's amazing that no one trademarked that name before that. So now, they can all buzz off. Writer Scott Snyder has officially addressed whether or not the 2013 Batman Zero Year storyline is still DC Comics canon. The recent 2011 reboot of DC The New 52 erased some parts of DC Universe continuity, but kept some as well. But with Doomsday Clock and Justice League causing more ripples in the universe, Scott was asked on Twitter if Zero Year still was. His reply, quote, It's all supposed to be right now because of what's happening in Doomsday Clock. There can be fluidity so a lot of pre- and post-New 52 material coexist. Also, I always feel Bruce wore the great classic costume most of his early career. ZY is specific to ZY. Unquote. So, for the, the answer is, for right now, yes, but it's subject to change. In this age, 
or where comic book properties are becoming made into movies and TV, it's almost shocking to learn when something didn't come into being. Moon and Warcraft director Duncan Jones has revealed on Twitter that he once pitched a Prez movie to Warner Brothers, and the studio didn't go for it. First, I know what you're thinking. Who the hell is Prez? A uh, little backstory, Prez is a DC character from a short-lived 1973 comic series by Joe Simon and Jerry Grand Grandinetti. It's focused around Prez Rickard, who becomes America's first teenage president and gets into all sorts of weird things like vampires, werewolves, and George Washington's descendants. It was canceled after four issues. Dropped in the quarter bin of history. Enter Duncan Jones. He has said that his take on Prez would have been inspired by a story Neil Ga Gaiman wrote in 1993 for his seminal fantasy horror series Sandman. Quote, I've mentioned this before, but there was a fantastic DC comic book called Prez, once upon a time that Neil Gaiman had did a spin on, about a young kid genius who solves the problems of the world, unquote. Jones further went on to elaborate, quote, I wanted to make that movie, but DC guy at w uh, WB, not interested, didn't fit in with their fights and tights ethos, I guess, unquote. Now, while this version of the character might not see the live day anytime soon, the character was recently revived by DC in 2015 for a six-issue miniseries about a teenage girl named Beth Ross, who also became president and chose Prez as her vice president. It was very well received. DC Universe's Doom's Patrol series has found its Cliff, Cliff Steel, aka Robot Man. Brendan Fraser, who is known for 1999's The Mummies and its sequels, also Dudley Do-Right and George of the Jungle, will voice Robot Man, as well as appear as Cliff Steele in flashbacks. Here's the official character description. A former race car driver, Cliff Steele, was in a horrific accident that left his body uninhabitable. Cliff's brain was saved by the mysterious Dr. Collar, and he lives on in a powerful robotic body. Frazier joins Orange is the New, star, new Black star Diana Guerrero, Guerrero, excuse me, who will play Crazy Jane, and the first Purge star, Jovan Wade, who plays who will play Cyborg. Legendary composer Hans Zimmer will return to the DC universe, according to Film Music Reporter. Zimmer has agreed to s score Patty Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 1984. 1984. Zimmer last composed superhero music for Batman v Superman in 2016. He is replacing Rupert Gregson Williams, who did the score for the first Wonder Woman movie. Now, here's this. I'd like to thank you for listening to this edition of Multiverse Tonight. You know, one way to support the show is to listen with Radio Public. Every episode of Multiverse Tonight that is heard through the Radio Public app for iPhone and Android means that we make money so this show can grow. There's a link to our show in the episode notes. Give it a try today. Thanks, me. Star Wars News. Deadline reports that Lord of the Rings and Lost Star Dominic Monaghan has been cast in Star Wars number 9. Number 9? Number 9? 
the search for more money. Okay, that's not the name of the name of the show, but isn't it kind of always a search for more money? Anyway, uh, with the news, Dominic has said, quote, The galaxy far, far away has had almost as much influence as the one I live in, so I am delighted to be involved, unquote. He reportedly joins Terry Russell, Naomi Aki, and Richard E. Grant as new to the franchise actors. The Star Wars animated series Star Wars Resistance will be bringing some big talent with it, including Oster Oscar Isaac reprising his role voicing Poe Dameron and Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma. The first trailer has revealed that Leia Organa will be featured in the series voiced by Rachel Butera. Here's the description of the series. Quote, Resistance fighter Poe Dameron tasks young pilot Cad Kazuda Kaz Zonia with spying on the First Order. At the time, little was known about the secretive organization and its strength. In order to fulfill his mission, Kaz travels to the space station Colossus, which is being used by many ships as a port to refuel and do repairs. However, there are also dangerous races ta taking place there. After Kaz, bragging about his piloting skills at his arrival there, he is soon drawn into one of those races." Unquote. The series takes place in the time between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. The novelization for Solo, a Star Wars story, includes a deleted scene with a couple of characters from the old extended universe, Tag and Bink. Tag and Bink are from a, uh, from a Dark Horse Star Wars com comedy comic called Tag and Bink Are Dead. The two creatures, two characters, found their way in and out of the main Star Wars story in the comic, accidentally influencing the, ev influencing the events of the Star Wars universe with, of course, comic results. According to Jonathan Kasdan, quote, One of the things we went back and forth on a lot is that both Larry Kasdan, co-writer, and I felt that it was important to see Han in the Imperial Academy in the Navy because we wanted to see him become this pilot. Kazan, unquote, Kazan shared with comicbookmovie.com, quote, And from the first draft through the last draft, there was a chunk of the movie, very short, I'd say like, like, I'd say 80 seconds long, that showed him in the Imperial Academy doing all sorts of fight things, sort of disobeying a direct order and getting kicked out, unquote. Kazan and his first AD played Tag and Bank in the scene, but Ron Howard cut the scene, even though Ron's wife Cheryl was in the scene too. Quote, we were so sure that Ron actually put his wife Cheryl, who has to be in all of his movies because it's his only superstition, into the scene because he's like, well, this is the one thing that isn't coming out. And then it did come out. And Ron had to get Cheryl over to Disney and CGI her into another shot so we weren't cursed. So when I think you'll see, so when I think you'll see Tag and Bank is on Blu-ray, because no way we're putting that on Blu-ray without the Imperial Academy sequence. It's a great sequence too. Unquote. The novelization hits shelves on September fourth, while the Blu-ray hits shelves on September twenty-fifth. Neil Lamont, one of the production designers at Lucasfilm, has told Cineblend that he and his team had begun working on, ta on the Tatooine set for an unknown spin-off 
Neil told them, quote, We were just starting our work on another Star Wars spinoff, and yeah, we were actually just making our mark on Tatooine, which would have been interesting, and some other new galaxies, unquote. Lamont shared with Cinderland, unquote. Quote, so hopefully, if that comes back, we'll get the chance to be able to do that further. He didn't elaborate on why they stopped, but speculation has begun on what the set might have been for. Could it have been the Obi-Wan movie? Maybe Boba Fett? The conclusion that Cinderblend came to was a possible idea for a Moss Eisley spaceport movie, something that would revolve around the hometown of Luke Skywalker. This might have been interesting, but with Solo being a box office disappointment, Lucasfilm seems to be narrowing their strategy at the moment. I guess once bitten, twice shot. Well, if you had the theory that Richard E. Grant would be playing Grand Admiral Thrawn, I wouldn't put any money on that. The, the actor told Radio Times when the question was brought up, quote, I'm not playing the Star Wars character you just mentioned. I'm not allowed to tell you anything. Otherwise, I would be fired. Unquote. Well, I guess we'll just have to keep dreaming. Star Trek News Garrett Wang at Star Trek Las Vegas suggests that Paramount would have been better off if they would have made a Voyager movie instead of the much maligned Star Trek Nemesis. Wang told the crowd, quote, I think Voyager's Endgame, the final episode, the first hour was amazing, Wang said. The second hour tied things up too quickly, right? They should have aired the first hour on your television screen, and at the end said, to be continued in a theater near you. And film a Voyager two and a half hour movie. Two and a half hour movie. Wow, Garrett. Got and got rid of the Nemesis script, because let's face it, if your TNG feature film script is not as good as certain TNG TV episodes, don't film it. Sorry. Uh, heck, I think they should have had Voyager return to the Alpha Quadrant, and at the beginning of the film, only you'd only have to team up the you just have to team up the Next Generation cast with the Voyager cast and defeat the Borg Queen for good. But oh well, can't live in the past. Darn it. Well, bad news. Amazon's adaptation of Galaxy Quest is officially on hold. Writer Paul Shear told The Wrap that the firing of Amy Powell as president of Paramount Tel Television has hurt the project. Quote, We currently are on a bit, little bit of a hold pattern because our executive at Paramount, Amy Powell, was fired for some insensitive comments. He went on to say that they wanted to create, they wanted to create something epic, an epic sequel to the movie, continuing the story while bringing in new characters. Quote, so it is mixing two casts. It's a separate cast of adventures that kind of merge. I'm looking at this first season not as episodic, but as serialized story. So the only way I've been looking at it is using everything from the first movie and making the reasons for everything, not just. I want to avoid anything that could be viewed as a reboot for reboot's sake. There are real reasons behind these choices. Choices. Maybe too much so. Unquote. So, 
you could have thought of this uh, show as a, as a movie done in a season long. Now, let's talk about franchise fatigue. To define it simply, it's when too much of a property is produced in too short of a time period without much distinction between products, causing fans to walk away because, well, they've seen it all. In the early 2000s, Star Trek found itself mired in it. Star Trek Enterprise ended and no new films or series were planned. The property lay dormant for four years until J.J. Abrams launched the Kelvin Timeline movies. Now, Star Trek is back in a big way with its new s the new series on CBS All Access and multiple movies on the horizon. Ronald D. Moore, veteran actor, veteran writer from the golden age of the franchise in the 90s, spoke about it during a panel at Star Trek Las Vegas. Quote, When you say something like franchise fatigue to me, it seems that particular flavor had run dry. Moore said during the panel at, at the uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. To mix my metaphors, essentially, that way of doing Star Trek, that way of telling, telling story, and those kinds of stories had run its course. You could see it in the shows, it had fatigue, it was tired, it wasn't really engaging anymore, or felt like it just was just standing in place." Unquote. Moore then went on to say that the key to overcoming the fatigue is to bring in new talent, new ideas, and a willingness to change the rules of the franchise. Ron then spoke about the concerns about the new Trek franchise, and that having new Trek year-round won't be a problem as long as CBS is providing distinct offerings. Quote, when you, when you are now, it's like, okay, it's all been reinvented. It looks completely different. The style is very different. The stories are different. So it doesn't feel like you're in danger of franchise fatigue just because there's a lot, a lot of them coming out, he said. If they're all the same or just, or they just start becoming the same meal over and over again, you'll run into fatigue and they'll have the same problem, unquote. So, are you worried that Trek might run into franchise fatigue faster if they have Trek year-round? Or do you think if they differentiate the products, you know, basically Discovery in the past, uh, Picard in the future, you know, uh, animated series, say, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle, you know, will that be different enough to keep the fatigue away? Let us know you know, with some comments. Now, speaking of CBS All Access, CBS and Amazon have announced that the limited commercial version of All Access will now be available as an Amazon channel. Yay! The commercial-free version has been available since last year, but now the limited com commercial 599 version will also be available. Hopefully this will uh, help uh, get more people watching especially since you know you can now see the limited commercial version on Amazon Amazon Fire TV a lot more easier now Will Wheaton has walked away from Twitter he took part in the hashtag deact today a, a movement meant to encourage Twitter users to deactivate their accounts either temporarily or permanently posting on Twitter he said quote Twitter is broken. You deserve better than an app that tolerates and welcomes the spreading of abuse and misinformation. 
being part of this is not doing us any good, personally, politically, socially, for a day, a week, forever. Your call. It just it's just a good time to go. Hashtag deact today. Unquote. Now, Will has been constantly taunted with shut up Will memes for years. On one hand, I don't blame him for wanting to get away from that. On the other hand, I always think he should have embraced those memes and made it a part of his brand. Will, come back to Twitter. Rise above this. Show those haters that you're bigger than they are. Anyway, the news that Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth have walked away from the negotiating table means that Star Trek IV is in serious jeopardy. Might it be time for the film franchise to go another way? In an interview with CNET, John Cho, who plays Sulu, says that he would be interested in a spin-off movie starring Haiku Sulu. In reference to the Star Wars spin-off movies like Solo, A Star Wars Story, quote, If Solo, why not Sulu? I don't know that there if there is a day shooting Star Trek where Chris Pine did not call me Solo. Hasht- that side, Cho, Cho doesn't know anything about the next Star Trek movie, telling CNET that he, quote, I don't, I know very little about this. I've heard we're going to do one, but beyond that, I don't have details. I'd rather not know. I don't want to lie. The boring answer to, the, to wait for the powers to be to make a decision, unquote. Well, listen to my show, John, and if the news breaks... I'll let you know about it. Now, Geek News. Warner Brothers Television has announced that this upcoming 12th season of The Big Bang Theory will be its last. Read by Chuck Lorre and Bill Prady, Big Bang Theory will wrap things up this May as TV's longest-running multi-camera comedies in history, with what will be a record 279 episodes. According to Entertainment Weekly, Jim Parsons, who plays Sheldon, was ready to walk away from the show. CBS, who didn't see the show being the same without the character, decided, well, it's time to end the series. Neither CBS nor Jim Parsons' rep has given comments about the rumor. And, well, it's sad news, but not unexpected. They have had a huge, long run. And it's time to put the show to bed before it becomes truly ridiculous. Now, Kevin Smith, who just posted that he lost 51 pounds, but that's another story for another time, has announced that he will be penning a four-part story for Mark Millar's upcoming Hit Girl comic series. Illustrated by Pernell Orum from DC Superhero Girls, entitled The Golden, A- the Golden Rage of Hollywood. For those of you who don't know the character, she was a supporting character in Marvel Icon's Kick-Ass series, who fought crime alongside her father, aka Big Daddy. She was portrayed by Chloe Grace Moritz in the film adaptation of Kick-Ass. Mark Millar characterized the story as Hit Girl taking on Hollywood, storming Hollywood, and taking on Hollywood predators. Although Kevin Smith later clarified, quote, First off, despite what Mark Millar said, my Hit Girl arc is not about Hollywood predators. It's about the making of a Hit Girl movie. 
there are no jokes about the Me Too movement, obviously, or even references to real-world horrors. Real-world horror stories, unquote. The comic will hit shelves this January. And speaking of Mr. Smith, Warner Brothers has announced that Kevin will host the first episode of their new daily news show, DC Daily. The show will showcase DC news, have in-depth reports and interviews on upcoming DC projects, and a panel discussion of the day's topics and trends. The full show will be available on the DC Universe streaming service, but the premiere with Kevin Smith will air live at 4.30pm on August 29th on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Alright, brainstorming time. What DC or Marvel role would be a good fit for Denzel Washington? Denzel, on the press tour of for his new sequel, The Equalizer 2, said he is open to joining a superhero franchise. However, he quote, I haven't been approached, we'll see what happens, unquote. Denzel has done a comic book adaptation before co-starring with Mark Wahlberg in Two Guns. This one, this one's, well, a toughie. Green Lantern Jon Stewart, or maybe a Spidey villain? Mysterio? What do you think? Send in your suggestions, and maybe we'll feature them in an upcoming episode. And finally, in The Highlander, the goal of the game was to be the only one left. Well, thanks to a judge's ruling, San Diego Comic-Con is now the only one. Period. In addition to San Diego being the only con that can legally use the name, the judge awarded the incredibly rich and overhyped con $4.9 million in attorney's fees. So get prepared to see comic fests, cons, sans comics, pop culture cons, and all manner of differentiations but allusions to the Comic-Con name. And if you think hyphenating it is okay, they own the hyphenated version too. Well, call any con by a different name, they'll all unofficially be called Comic-Con. What's next? Wizard World has a convention coming up every month. Wizard World guests this year will include across the US, the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, Jason Aquaman Momoa, Ray Cyborg Fisher, and Ezra the Flash Miller in the Justice League movie, Dave Bautista and Tom Kuntis from Guardians of the Galaxy, Natalie Dormer and Sean Bean from Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings actors Billy Boyd and Sean Astin, fan favorites like Michael Rosenbaum, Charisma Carpenter, Henry Winkler, and many more. Use our coupon code MULTIVERSE at checkout for 20% off the cost of your ticket. Get your ticket today. The, uh, and that Tulsa World Convention is just a few days away. Now, I've got my passes to go. I'm all set. Uh, the next one after that on the schedule is Austin, Texas at the end of September. Now, be sure to check out our social media, Twitter at MultiverseTom and on Facebook. And if you'd like to contribute money, please uh, do so at ko-fi.com slash multiverse or on Patreon as well. And if you're a subscriber, be sure to share us with your friends. And if you're brand new to the show, please be sure to share us and subscribe. And leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing. 
Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music. Thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We'll be back in two weeks. Now, please exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half-Baked Genre Production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.